This morning I want to share with you some thoughts from God's Word on different methods that God may use in your life to bring you guidance. Different methods that God may use within your life to bring you guidance. And I want to read a passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 22. May the God of peace, I, I love it when, he inter, when he's introduced as the God of peace, because how many of you need peace, especially at night when you're about to go to sleep at night? It's so nice to be able to sleep because we have peace. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, Verse 21, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we recognize as we approach your holy scripture that the only way that we are enabled to really draw from the word and be nourished by it is when you guide us and direct us with the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And we have prepared ourselves this morning by having an opportunity to worship you. And I know, Lord, that while we worshiped you this morning, you are not done with what you want to accomplish yet this morning. And so I ask that we would be able to stand before you with open hearts and that your word would have an impact on us. Lord, there are some people that come to church, and there may be new folks here today that come to a church looking for a place that will teach them what they already believe. But Father, you told us that you're like a gardener, and that sometimes you trim here, and you work there, and you mold us and make us. So may we be open today to the work of your Holy Spirit to mold us to be more like you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The text this morning is going to serve as a springboard. There's actually other scriptures that we're going to be focusing on this morning, but I just loved that verse and wanted to share it with you. My father, a number of years ago, back in the mid-1950s, attended Central Bible Institute. Now, through the years, the name of that was changed to Central Bible College. But I remember the stories that he and his schoolmates that became like uncles to me through the years, would begin to talk about that on Friday nights at, at Central Bible College, they had missions night. And because CBC is in Springfield, Missouri, where our national headquarters are, most of the missionaries would pass through Springfield at one point or another, and they would all be invited to speak on this Friday night at the Bible College to our students that were preparing themselves for service of the Lord. And my dad told me that he had an opportunity to hear a number of phenomenal missionaries that really transformed his heart in many ways. I remember hearing stories of the extended period of time that the students would take as they would come to the altar at the end of those services and in moments of just yielding themselves before the Lord, crying out and saying, God, we want you to do with us whatever you desire. Our, our lives are, are laid on the altar for you. You lead us and guide us however you desire as we prepare ourselves to be used of you. And I can't remember if it was my dad or if it was one of his friends that told me this story, but following one of those mission services that was particularly moving for one young man, he, 
had prayed at the altar to the point where they said, we're going to go ahead and close the chapel up. And so he went back to his room in a fervency of prayer and began to kneel down in his room by his desk and just begin to cry out, oh God, I, I need you to tell me where you want me to go and what you want me to do. And he continued to repeat those words, Lord, I'm just so hungry to know what you want me to do and where you want me to go. And he was praying rather loudly, and at the place where he was praying, there was a heating vent that took his prayer right up to the room above him, where my dad and his friends were. And as they're listening to this friend that they knew, repeating this again and again in in their normal college student mindset, begin to think, maybe we can help God out here a little bit. So they had one of them, and none of them have ever admitted to being the one. One of them slipped over to the heating vent and felt that in their best God voice they could help out. And down through the vent as this young man is praying, Oh God, just tell me where and tell me what. They begin to say, Africa, my son. I want you to go to Africa, my son. Let me repeat that, Africa. (laughs) At that, the prayer stopped for a moment. And it got really quiet in the room as they're all listening, and finally they heard, really? (laughs) I would imagine that in every life, and we've had an influx of, of new believers recently, and I've been answering a number of questions from so many lately about, I'm, I'm just really trying to figure out what is it that God wants me to do? How does he, how does he want me to do it? Where does he want me to go? And what does he want me to do? And, and I thought, let me approach this morning from an understanding that not only do I believe that this will be helpful for those of you that are just starting in your journey of being Christ followers, but also a great reminder for those of us who may be seasoned that yet there are ways that God can work and direct each of us. So many times in our questions, they revolve around two words, the what he wants us to do and the where he wants us to do it. But I believe that the two words that would probably better serve what God desires of us are words like who and how. Who does he want you to be? And how does he want you to live? And that wrapped up within that, if you can work out through the Spirit the who He wants you to be and how He wants you to live, that all of the rest of the will of God will unfold before you in most cases. I believe that the Lord gives us the resources that we need to do His will. I believe that when we begin to act more and more like Him and allow His Word to have a greater effect upon us, that we begin to see that He can use us in ways that perhaps we didn't understand before. In fact, I believe that if you let the Lord build within you his nature and if you marinate in his presence that you will have a hard time not doing his will because it will be obstacles to you to keep you from not following the direction that he desires as you learn to depend on him in all of the activities of your life. There's a passage of scripture about two and a half chapters in Acts chapter 15, chapter 16, and the first part of chapter 17 that I believe gives us some great instructions as to the methods that God can use to give us guidance. And I would like to go through some of those this morning for you. In fact, there there are seven of them that I want to briefly 
direct our attention to today. If you have a bulletin, there's an outline of these things, and you may want to just jot down some notes there. But the first method of God's guidance that he gives to us that is found in Acts chapter 15 is the have-a-meeting method of God's guidance. The have-a-meeting method. In Acts chapter 15, verses 22 through 29, there had been a gathering together because what had taken place is Gentiles had become, uh, had started getting saved and were being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the Jewish people didn't know, do we need to make them abide by the same guidelines and rules and regulations as us? And, and so they had a district council, so to speak. All of the leaders of the churches came together to have a meeting so that they could figure out what the will of God was. And in verse 22 of Acts 15 through 29, it says this, Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. And with them they sent the following letter, The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, Greetings! We have heard that some went out from among us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men to send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. And then in verse 28, it says this. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. This letter came at the end of a meeting of spiritual leaders that came together to discuss what might be the will of God as it relates to what he was doing. For those of you who've had opportunities to go to things like district councils where in our state all of the pastors get together and, and we do business and from time to time there are questions that arise as to how we will apply the doctrine of the word to new situations and new things that are taking place within our culture. If you come to those, you'll recognize that we have some lively debate at those moments. Times when people will get up to the microphone and say, I believe strongly that this is what the scripture says. Others that will get up that we love and respect just as much as say, I see the same scripture, but I believe that it needs to be applied in this way. And in the middle of all of that, there are others that are listening and then at the end, we gather together and we begin to say, Lord, what is it that you want to take place out of this? That was a meeting just like this. And I loved these words in verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Did you notice that? That it didn't say, thus saith the Lord. In other words, sometimes God directs us by a consensus. Sometimes we come together and we go through the issues and at the end of that we said, you know what? We do not feel a check in our spirit that what we are doing is wrong. It seems as if the Holy Spirit is permitting this. And so because it seems good to the Holy Spirit, we don't have a check within our hearts. We will follow through as if this is the method by which God is speaking to us. So one of the ways that God speaks to us sometimes is the have a meeting method. One of the ways that we can apply this within our own life 
is there are those that you will choose because you've watched their life and you trust them and you've recognized that they have some, some spiritual wisdom and you will go to them and say, listen, this is what I'm facing in my life or this is a decision that I have to make. Do you have any wisdom from your perspective? How might I apply scripture to my life that might give this? And in the consensus of the wisdom of many counselors, you might find that the go-to-meeting method helps you determine exactly what it is that God wants you to do. There are many people in our congregation who have the gift of wisdom, who have gifts of knowledge, who you can trust and go to. I have several people in my life, men and women, that I call on a regular basis when I feel like I just need a confirming voice for what I'm sensing. And I've had times when they said, I don't confirm that at all. I think that that you are misreading that, and other times that they'll say, I believe exactly what you're But the wisdom that we can gather in the go-to-meeting direction method of finding God's will is valuable to us. As we move on from that go-to-meeting method, we come to a second one, and it's called the responsible concern method of God's guidance. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it said, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now you will notice within this verse that they were making a determination of what they wanted to do and it came without a vision of the Lord. There was no angelic interruption or call. There was no lightning from heaven, no special word of the Spirit to the inner heart. It was simply they felt we need to do this because we have a concern for the people and we believe that God's method of leading us to do things from time to time comes out of a concerned heart for what people are going through. They had remembered all the Gentiles that they had led to Christ and they felt they had a responsibility not just to lead them but to help them grow into grace and to learn the full counsel of God. Let me share this with you. Never underestimate the power of just doing the right thing, the right way, and for the right reason as a way that God can use you. Sometimes we try to make God's will something so convoluted and so difficult to find, and I often believe that there are times he simply will plant people on your heart, and they will come to your mind, and they may do so repeatedly, and it's okay for you to say, you know what? They've come to my mind so often, God must be planting on my heart a concern for what's going on, and I need to follow through with that and do the right thing in the right way and for the right reasons because I'm just concerned for what's going on there. I believe that this is a perfectly proper leading of the Holy Spirit. God does not often give orders to every step you take every day that you take it. In fact, I'm convinced that he's not interested in robots. He wants individuals not just to wait for some special feeling to act or, or some special vision that they get at night, but he wants people to live in such a way that when he plants concern on them, they know, hey, God's doing something here, and I'm going to follow that method of God's direction. And when you get that feeling, the Holy Spirit lets the initiative lie with you as to how you will obey that. So do not wait. Move out. When you feel something in your heart and you have a concern for people, you are walking in the will of God as you begin to respond to that, and God will be with you. The third method that is presented to us in Acts chapter 15 and verses 37 through 
through 41 is to the know, know your gifts method of God's guidance. This particular passage of scripture speaks of something that most of us have read about many times. As it says, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, also, or John also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. It says, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria to Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now we all know that here are two men who love God with all of their heart and are desperate to do the will of God, and they disagreed with one another. They did so in such a way that it called a sharp disagreement. They were quarreling with each other. They each viewed a situation and thought the other person was wrong. But what really was happening here is that God was stirring a method by which he could direct each of them because of the lens of their own gifting. Let me explain this to you. The reason that Paul looked at John Mark and did not trust him and did not want to take him with him is because... Paul was one that was looking at the work that needed to be done and he recognized that because of the unfaithfulness that he had seen in the past and the difficulty of the places that they were going, he could not risk taking a chance on somebody who might repeat the same thing. But he's looking at the work that he has to do. On the other hand, you have Barnabas who looked at the person of John Mark and recognized that in this young man's life there are gifts that God wants to develop and just because he made a mistake once doesn't mean he needs to be cast into the pile of discards. That God will give people a second chance. And so they each were looking through the lens of their gifting. Paul is an evangelist and a prophet Black and white individual, and you've failed me in the past, I can't trust you. I'm going to take Silas. And they went and had a great missionary journey. Barnabas, on the other hand, his gifting was seeing possibilities in other people, and he was a leader maker. Paul wouldn't be the man he was if it wasn't for Barnabas investing in him. And he looked at John Mark and he said, here's somebody who has qualities that I need to invest in. And if you won't take him with me, I'm not going to give up on him. And so Barnabas looks through the lens of the giftings that he has and he takes John Mark with him. Though they exercised the desire to separate from one another... Both of them ended up walking in the will of the Lord and accomplishing great things. And so sometimes God will lead you in a method that will allow the giftings that you have to determine how you see people and you view different things. And it also tells us that sometimes godly people need to separate in following the will of the Lord for what he wants them to do. It was the will of God that Barnabas should take Mark. It was the will of God that Paul should take Silas. And the churches were blessed in two places as a result of the way that God led them through this. Another way that God gives us another method that he helps us guide is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 8, and it's called the walk in the walls method. The walking in the walls method. I love this part, maybe because I've bruised myself walking to a lot of walls through the years. But the scripture says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia 
and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. Here you have a situation where by now you're getting the idea that Paul is a go, go, go guy. I mean, he's just a go. There's nothing to do. Let's go find something to do. And so he's, he's out there and he recognizes there's a group of people over here that, that need to hear about the Lord. So he goes and the Spirit of God says, nope, not here. So he turns around and he goes east and he heads the other direction until he hits the border and boom, the Spirit of Jesus says, nope, this is not it. And so rather than sitting there and crying about all of the closed doors that he's facing, he gets up and heads the only direction that he could, which is toward Troas. And as he's going, he just begins to walk because he understands that God blesses his goings and he wanted to be in what God was doing. He knows that sometimes God directs us by closing doors but when you hit a closed door, it doesn't mean that God wants you to stop. It means that he wants you to be like one of those. I understand that there's these new vacuums that when they hit a wall, they turn around and they head the other direction until they hit a wall. And then they turn around and go another direction. And if you let them go for six hours, they will vacuum your whole floor. I think sometimes that we need to be a little bit more like that when we hit a wall that we stop and turn around and head another direction. That we're exploring what God is doing but here's what I love. Paul never felt like a failure because he hit a closed door. He never stopped and said, I'm outside of the will of God. He just kept going to wherever there was a door open. Here's the thought. You can't steer a parked car. You have to at least put it into drive and get it to move before you can turn the wheel. And in your own life, you have to at least take a step before God before he can direct your steps because he can't direct the standing. He directs your walking. The other thing I love about this is we get a unique sense that behind a closed door, God is working on the other side even though you can't see it. Because he wasn't allowed to go into Asia because God says, I'm not ready for you to go there yet. I'm still working out details on this side. And there will come a time when something that's a closed door to you now will be an open door to you later. And when you go in, you'll find success because I'm still working on the people over here. I'm still working on the connections. I'm still working to get things ready so that when you go, the land will be fertile for the gospel. But it's not yet. And so we see the wonderful working of God as he closes doors and redirects. And on the other side, he's working so that he can open the door later. So if you have been in a place where you have hit a closed door, but you can't get it off your heart, it just might be that God is working on the other side of that issue so that when the door is open, you find fertile ground. The next method of God's guidance is the visions method of God's guidance. In Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, after Paul had bounced off a bunch of walls and he ends up in Troas, it says that during the night Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, it said, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God is sovereign. And he can choose the way he wants to direct you. And sometimes that will come to you in an unmistakable way that you cannot help but know that God's hand is in this and that he is leading you. 
So here's a vision from God. Notice it's not a dream. And the difference between the dream and the vision is psychologists tells us that when you have dreams and even spiritual dreams, it will always involve you in some, day, in, in some way. But when you have spiritual visions, it will be more objective and, and something else that's out there. So in this vision, it's objective. It's not Paul. It's another man, a Macedonian, that's calling out to him, come over and help us. So Paul knew it to be a vision. And I love the way the scripture is worded. It, it says, immediately... Immediately after seeing the vision, we got ready at once to take off and go. Another thing that's interesting in this is as Luke is writing, he was talking about them before, but suddenly when the vision came, it said we. In other words, somewhere in the middle of all this, Luke had come and joined. Sometimes the delay in the direction that God gives to us is because he doesn't have all the people together yet that he wants to send. And so once Luke had arrived, and we don't know if there were other companions as well, but once they got there, the vision came. They jumped on the boat, and they instantly went because God had put the team together that he needed, and the timing of the Lord was incredible as the things that they accomplished there. And as you move farther into Acts, into chapter 17, verse 16, you get to the last one, the break-your-heart method of God's guidance. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. What's Paul doing in Athens? The scripture says he's waiting. How many of you know that even in your waiting, God has a plan? That between things that you might think are great avenues of God's desire to do something in your life, even in the down times, God can break your heart with what you see. He was waiting for Silas and for Timothy to come and join him so that they could go to Corinth. And while he's waiting there, and it must have been several days, he looks around and he sees, I'm in the middle of opportunity because these people are all lost. And I'm not willing just to sit by and wait for the next great Corinth revival. I'm going to do something while I'm here. And so seeing the opportunity of the spiritual condition, he goes out and he ministers in the marketplace to whoever happens to be there. I love that. I honestly believe this is the will of God for the direction for most of us. We just need to open our eyes and minister to whoever happens to be around you. I call them divine encounters. In Hebrew, it's called the provenient grace of God. It means that God is digging through the mountain of unbelief in people's life from the other side, and you can't see it. But what he does is he brings you to a place where you are right where you need to be at right the right moment so that the last rock can be moved and you get to welcome them into the kingdom of God from something God's been doing a long time that nobody knew anything about. I had one of those instances a number of years ago at a Christmas time when I was standing in the checkout line of Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri because I was buying a golf club that was supposed to cut 10 strokes off my score. What are you laughing about? It was a long line. And while we were in this line, this little boy kept coming up to my son and I and laughing and joking and kind of playing tag, and then he'd run back off, and he was... 
he was mentally challenged and we just kept enjoying and, and engaging with him and as we got near the front of the line after about 30, 35 minutes, the little boy came and kind of stood in front of us and his father came and, and said, I am so sorry that my son's bothering you. And we said, he's not, he's not, we're enjoying him. He goes, oh good, so he stepped in line right in front of us with his son. <laughs> my son looked at me like, really dad? And so we began a conversation and we discovered just in a very, very short period of time that this boy was the youngest of nine children. The man's wife was home battling cancer and he began to weep as he started to talk to me about, I come from a spiritual background where we don't believe in divine healing. And, and I said, well, that's interesting because I happen to be a pastor of a church that we do believe in divine healing. He goes, you're a pastor? I said, yeah. He says, what are the chances of this? Then it began to dawn on me, oh, God's doing something. And so as I stood in that line, I just said, can, can we pray with you about your wife? And he said, absolutely. And so I put my hand on his shoulder, and as soon as I did that, he just began to weep, which obviously turned everybody's attention in the store toward us. How many of you know that sometimes you're going to be embarrassed And so I thought, I can make this really short and really quiet and just buy my club and get out of here, or I can speak to him from my heart to his. And so we prayed. And as we're praying for him, he's just sobbing and weeping in this line standing with a golf club under one arm. By the way, it did not live up to its promise. And prayed for somebody who God had been digging through the mountain of his hurt from the other side and had come to the last stone and needed somebody to just live Christ today. I never saw that man again, and I don't know what happened to him, but what I do know is that God designed an opportunity for somebody who believed in the power of God to touch a point of need. It will happen to you all the time if you'll just let God use this method of just living for him day by day, wherever you are, while you're waiting for the next big thing, just look around you. I'm going to ask our keyboardist if she'd please come. So as we look through the, the different things that are presented to us, there's the have the meeting method, the responsible concern method, the know your gifts method. The walk into walls method, the visions method, the break your heart method. God will use all of them at different times. And discovering his will is not nearly as hard as you think it is. It just, Lord, make me who I'm supposed to be. And you'll teach me how I'm supposed to be. And automatically I'll be where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do. Because I belong to you. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, please. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, there's a verse that says this. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, in other words, whatever you say and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. I believe that this probably encapsulates for most of you who have had questions, what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it? Just everything that you do during your normal day, do it with all of your might to make sure God gets the glory and you watch, just watch how God will use you. It may even start the moment you leave here today and you go to a restaurant and you have a server who's had a bad day 
And in the middle of that, you just stop and say, hey, what's going on in your life? You will also begin to discover for no reason at all, people will start just pouring out their hearts to you. My wife says, I don't know how it happens. We can be in the grocery line, and for whatever reason, people just pour it out. Because there's a presence in you from the Holy Spirit that makes people feel safe around you. It's God's presence in you. And, they, and then when they're all done, they'll say, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did. I don't know why. And you're going, it's because God wanted me here today with you so that I can just put a hand on your shoulder and join you and pray for you and, and give you some guidance. He will use you in that way because he, he wants his spirit in you to burst forth for his glory. So how many of you have maybe struggled? But boy, I wanted to make sure I was in his will doing what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to do it. And God just ministered to you today from the word. Wonderful. Here's how we're going to conclude this morning. I'm going to ask our deacons and their spouses and our staff and those who are a part of our altar team, if they would come and just stand in the front and be prepared because I'm going to pray for you. And then those of you who may have had some things going on in your heart and you'd just like to talk to somebody about it and see what God's up to, I want you to know that those who are here can be trusted and have some spiritual wisdom and experience to them. Can speak into your life. And if you're here and you're going through a situation where maybe you need healing in your body or there's something going on, I want you to know we believe in divine healing here. I have a God that heals us. Maybe this was a message for you just to take and you're going to go back this week and you're just going to begin to marinate in these two and a half chapters to see what God's going to say to you about it. But I hope that his word feeds us today. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask for those that desire, you may respond. If you're here today and you've never become a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing more important than all of your life. Next week, I'm going to begin a series called Beyond, What Happens Right After We Die. For the next 10 weeks, we're going to be going through what the Bible says lies just on the other side. And I can just tell you this, you're going to want your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you've never invited Jesus to cleanse you of all of your sin and to make you a brand new creature, then please don't leave here today until you come up and say, hey, I'd just like somebody to pray. It's not a big deal. There's no big show. It's just simply a yielding your heart and saying, I trust you, Jesus. And I invite you in with my own words into my life to be my guide. We've all come the same way. But that's available to you. So Heavenly Father, as we stand in this building that we call a church, which as we come in, we recognize it's not just a normal building because here the presence of the Lord meets with his people. And we thank you for that, oh God. And I know, Lord, there have been those that have just struggled so hard with what are the methods and how can I know that God is leading me and using me? And today I pray that we've been able to simplify it with seven ways that you did it in two and a half chapters of Acts. That there would be things that we could apply in our own life and quit fighting you so hard for the big things when it's just the way you want to make us and how you will use us in everyday life. So I pray for those that are going to respond that you would give wisdom to those who are praying with them. For those in need of a healing touch today, I pray in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus that you would bind and hinder and cast out any illness that keeps your people from declaring and displaying your glory. And for those that today is the day of their salvation, we rejoice. We rejoice. 
Father, as we go forward from this place, may we do so with smiles on our face that demonstrate the joy within our hearts because you dwell there. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you must go, you have a great day in the Lord. And we're available to pray for whomever we can. God bless you. Thank you.